The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Sometimes I wonder uh, why. What is it that brings us together to sit in meditation and to study the Zen teachings, listen to talks, uh, exchanging our understanding with one another? What drives that urge to find meaning in our life in this way? The obvious answer is to wake up, to realize our lives, be present for now, moment to moment, and not sleepwalk through this one precious life that we have. At some point, we may realize uh, that entering into this practice of being awake and alive to our lives will benefit us and, most remarkably, those around us. So we find a spiritual practice and a community that will support us in waking up to, you know, the, the joy of our lives the possibilities of our lives. When we are just awake to this very moment, to not some fantasy about what it could be, what it was, but (laughs) this moment is what we train ourselves to do. So when I think about the last two talks that were given here at the Zendo in the the last uh, week, uh, Soten talking about the friends that he found in in the Sangha, uh, the friends that we find when we practice the Dharma, the power of that very special kind of friendship that arises. And then Gesho talking about how art is a flow of the Dharma and how we can see it that way if we're practicing, if we're awake. We can see the moment-to-moment reality of what is around us in a very, very different kind of way than some intellectual separateness and objectivity. Something about our practice allows us to see in that way this very life, this this one, (laughs) this moment. And they're not the ones that we hear about in the koan collections or the great hymns that we chant about emptiness, but rather in the simple, humble, everyday lives that we all live. So that's the reason why this particular ongo period, this particular study period, we, you know, we do two a year, we do one in the summer and one in the winter. Uh, 90-day study periods. At this time, the head of our study period is the Sangha itself. This is kind of unique and strange and kind of unheard of, but it makes so much sense, right? Uh, that the Sangha itself is our leadership. So that's each one of you. Whether or not you're just popping in for tonight or have been popping in for the past 50 years. 
Each one of you is a leader in this Sangha. And because of that, uh, we've been focusing on uh, Lehman Pong as our focus of study this time. And we've heard a lot of talks about Lehman Pong. He was quite the character, as you may know. He had a very idiosyncratic way of living the Dharma. Uh, always focusing on what is really present in the moment, ordinary mind. Uh, and then you might ask, well, how come there's only, there's so few lay practitioners in all of these studies of the different Dharma teachers? And the reason is quite clear. It's not hard to understand. The keepers of the tradition, those who kept the records, <laughs> and passed them down from one to the other, uh, were all monks. So they didn't know the lay people. They didn't react, re relate well to the lay people, most of them. They were scholars and monks, and they talked about their own experience as monastics. So that's what they experienced, and that's what they recorded. So there's very little to find in the literature about lay practitioners which is really a pity, you know. Uh, guaranteed, lay people have always been there, always supporting, always achieving the Dharma, always seeing clear. And they're the ones that have always supported Zen centers with their compassion, their skills, and their wisdom. You know, when I went, trained in Japan uh, at Zuioji Temple, it was really obvious. During the week, there was a handful of monks, and we we cleaned the space, and we kept it together. And then on the weekend, the lay people would come, and the place would suddenly come alive. And there'd be they'd bring food, and they'd even they if they'd gone out to dinner somewhere and they had leftovers, they would bring those. And there was just there was just joy and and uh, companionship, and it was a whole different kind of thing. And you can see they gave life to that community, to Zuioji Temple. And throughout time and space, I'm sure this has always been true. Seldom have they, the lay people been acknowledged or has it been recorded. Uh, but... Ryotan Roshi last week talked about Vimalakirti, one of the great uh, teachers in the lay tradition. Uh, and soon again, we will study the Vimalakirti Sutra because in particular, there's this wonderful cha one chapter where he just makes fools of all the monks <laughs> with his great uh, compassionate way of doing it and showing the, uh, the skillfulness of, of the lay wisdom. Um, we will study the Vimalakirti Sutra in the next year or so. It's, it's worth doing. Um, and it was deeply satisfying to, to read the Dharma debates in there. But there was another great lay teacher uh, that preceded Layman Pang that I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, scholarship suggests uh, that much of the identity of Layman Pang and much of the stories derived from this earlier uh, lay master. And his name was Fu Daishi. And uh, he was a contemporary of Bodhidharma's. So that's so he went back 
to that time, um, early 6th century China. And his story is very much like Lehman Pang's story, which is, you know, you could say this is the archetype of the lay practitioner. Uh, he had a wife and two children. In his case, they were twin sons. Uh, and initially, he was a fisherman. But then, after he met a wandering Buddhist and heard about non-harming, he decided he couldn't be a fisherman anymore, and he became a farmer. And he became a very successful and rich farmer. Uh, and uh, rather like the Pang story, at some point, uh, he got rid of all his possessions, he sold them all, and took all the money and gave it to the poor. And then worked the rest of his life as a simple laborer, uh, making enough money for each day to, to live on. And he became uh, the major advisor to Emperor Wu, Emperor Wu who met Bodhi, Bodhidharma. So, uh, but, you know, I was really struck by that parallel story about giving up your possessions uh, and instead choosing to live a life of relative poverty. I recall a loud outcry from one of my, our Sangha members uh, who saw the very thought of giving up one's property uh, seemed to be a, too much of a challenge for one's safety. But it brought up for me the, that notion of, of poverty, of the spiritual aspects of poverty. Um, so many religious traditions talk about poverty. Uh, the idea of letting go of possessions as a requisite for spiritual insight. It's not that the having of things is a problem, but rather the attachment to the things is the problem. And a lot of that attachment derives from a kind of sense of insecurity, of danger, of threat of loss. I won't be enough if I lose everything. You know, I haven't lost everything. <laughs> I still have everything, but I'm having these, these issues about, about that. And, and so that's what keeps someone from, from being generous. Uh, I think when, we're, when we feel safe, we're able to give. You know, I, I remember, I have to confess that at the, big, at the height of the pandemic, um, I noticed in my own individual life uh, that I pulled back from my usual habit of carrying spare, spare change, you know, always picking up some ones and stick them in your pocket when you go out. That's de rigueur in this city. This is what you do. Uh, but somehow, the fear, the masks, the, all of the things that were going on, I, I saw, I witnessed myself shutting down from that, from that, it's not a major uh, generosity, but it is a gesture and it is a way of life. Um, and it's a recipe for spiritual starvation, in my opinion. I became like a clam. Shut up my, my shell. And in that way, we lose our interconnection with others. We pull back. We're not present to life, to interbeing.
<laughs> the fact is we don't live alone. We're always part of something greater. So that that parallel of Fu Daishi and Layman Pang throwing away all their possessions reminds me of the cause and result of our practice. We, we are drawn to finding a way to be at one with everyone. And if we find that way, we can change. We can change our lives as they are. We give and we recognize our connection. We give and then we find we're given too. So, there's a verse attributed to Fu Daishi. Uh, and it, we actually, uh, in our Zen lineage, we, we study this verse at the very beginning, uh, right before we begin koan practice. It's one of the testing points in the Rinzai tradition. And it's a poem written by Fu Daishi, and it reads, Crossing the bridge flows, the water does not. Empty-handed, yet holding a hoe. Walking, yet riding a buffalo. A person passing on a bridge. The bridge flows, the water does not. Through the flowing, murmuring waters, she walks leisurely, absorbed in the flight of birds they see mindlessly. Crossing the bridge flows the water does not, empty-handed yet holding a hoe, walking yet riding a buffalo, a person passing on a bridge. The bridge flows, the water does not. Through the flowing, murmuring waters, they walk leisurely, absorbed in the flight of birds they see mindlessly. Can you, can you see what, what this verse is, is doing uh, to our sense of me? Me alone, only me? When we change our perspective, when we allow ourselves to be the bridge, seen from the position of the water that does not move because the bridge is moving. It's a trick of how to shift our perspective. We're so fixed, you know. With two eyes, we're fixed, two ears. Can we be the water that flows under the bridge? The water that sees the bridge flowing? When we encounter a suffering being, we can feel the suffering in our own being. We encounter our own suffering and without judgment, we can allow it to teach us. How is it we can change our perspective? 
How can we find compassion for self and other? Consider what Dogen said about this in Genjo Koan. To study the way of enlightenment is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by the myriad beings. So again, we're on the bridge. Me? Bridge. <laughs> Water flowing. How about... To study the way of enlightenment is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. And to forget the self is to be actualized by the myriad beings. Then every single drop of rain outside right now, every single leaf that is hiding in these bare branches wants to come out, but you, you know they're there. <laughs> all of it. We are all of that. And this ability to exchange self for other is, is, is at the heart of our practice. It allows us to inhabit all manner of life. So Fudaishi is recommending that we experience ourselves as water flowing. And at the same time, our feet get wet. And we gaze at the birds flying by. Let me offer his gatha one more time. See if you can hear it in a different way. Crossing the bridge. Crossing the bridge flows the water does not. Empty-handed yet holding a hoe. Walking yet riding a buffalo. A person passing on a bridge. The bridge flows the water does not. Through the flowing, murmuring waters, they walk leisurely, absorbed in the flight of birds they see mindlessly. There's a profound teaching from Fudaishi, something that we can take in and, and recognize also that from his lay background, how perhaps this wisdom is specially tuned for us as we cross our own streets, let's consider that. Passing through the suffering around us, the suffering within us, and also realizing that the air and the leaves, the homeless beggar, and the comfortable matron, the burning earth, and the angry fools, absorbed in their dreams, see mindlessly. Please take these teachings of Fudaishi to heart. I expect in the 21st century, in the 22nd century, we'll have far more great lay teachers and so many of us who are ordained aren't really ordained. I mean, we're ordained and we, we, wear, the, we wear the clothes <laughs> and we shave the head. Uh, and yet, in fact, we live lay lives. Uh, and it is a, a wonderful time for the Dharma. 
as we bring together the, the wonderful forms of the monastic form that can, can hold us and protect us, and also the joy of seeing mindlessly, of being alive to the world and offering ourselves as we can. So may your life go well.